down in front. If you get a shot, we're going to be PO'd. If any one of these wires is cut, they will explode! Hey, welcome back to Old Bogies and Films. Each episode, the members of this panel take turns assigning a film to watch and discuss. We have... Jelly. Eric. Fahad. Ruth. And me, Takia. This round, I assigned the Bogies to watch Toy Soldiers. So... This movie was about a prep boarding school with wealthy students expelled from other prep schools. This particular school was taken over by a group of terrorists led by Luis Kali, who wants his drug kingpin father released from prison. Um, and then a group of students who are also friends at the school, uh, they're led by uh, rebellious teen, Billy Tepper. Uh, they use their skills and bravery to overtake the terrorists and save the school. So that's kind of what, goes on in it, what happens in this movie in a nutshell. Um, I personally love this film. I love a good action filler, thriller. Um, I loved how Billy and his friends, it, he kind of, well, he led the effort in putting his life out on the line to protect and save the classmates. And I just kind of loved that bond that he and his friends had. And um, yeah, um, it's kind of the idea of just kind of, they, they never gave up no matter, you know, like they were determined, everyone, they were all determined to, you know, get out of this, get out of the situation alive. And um, yeah, uh, I love the kind of the roundup of all the 80s, 90s stars. That was really cool. I love seeing um, Shan Asin and Wheaton. Um, I actually realized, uh, what is that guy? Coogan? Coolin? What's that guy? Keith Coogan? Yes. He was the brother in Don't Tell Me What It Is. Wait, what? I was just saying the dishes are done, you know. <laughs> I went like done, I had a Macaulay Culkin moment after the movie when I realized, oh my gosh, that's a that's a brother in Bill Kill Mom Babysitter's dead. So yeah, I was like seriously but like also oh. the brother in Adventures in Babysitting. Yes, that's true. He played a lot of brothers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, was, he was a lot of brothers. So anyway, um gosh, I just I love the hearts of these of these of these teens, these guys. They're all from um, wealthy backgrounds, but had these, you know, rebellious streaks with about with, with, with them. And they'd already been kicked out of, um, a lot of them kicked out of other prep schools. And this was kind of like the last go round in terms of school. It was cool what the uh, Lewis Gossett Jr., which, who was the principal, the headmaster, we called the headmaster in the private school, headmaster. Um, yeah, I like that he, he kind of took these, all these boys under his wing and was like, uh, he didn't give up on them either. He said, no, you're not gonna, be I'm not gonna kick you out of here. You're gonna, you know, stay here, graduate no matter how long it takes. So I, I liked his heart, where his heart was. He didn't give up on his boys, where everybody, all the other schools did. And um, yeah, like I said, uh, love love the '90s, seen them in my '80s, '90s actors. Love love the I love the the villain. Um, I was trying to think where I've seen him before. I don't know what his name was, but um, the one that, that played Luis Cali. 
I liked him. I think I think he was in Wishmaster or something. Um, I was looking up what I had seen. He was Wishmaster. He was in Wishmaster. Yeah. 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 He's also the villain in a lot of movies. Yes, he is. He was in Air Force One, another of my favorite, favorite, favorite films. So yeah, that was really exciting to see him again. (laughs) Top twenty. What? I said your top twenty is infinite. I know. I know. I I have to say this is. I don't think you've ever actually counted them. Maybe I should expand to my top 50. I mean, I'm just, I, I, just I, I just love action films. And so this was really up the alley. I, I even, I saw it, interestingly, the first time I saw it was actually a few, 2019, when mm-hmm. I was, we were living in Reston and Cam was a baby and all. I remember sitting watching one night, Homer was supposed to watch it with me and then he passed out, Cam was out cold. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch this. And it was, I was riveted. So. Fast forward to now, I was riveted again. I was like screaming at the TV, like, oh my gosh, he did it. No, go, stop, stop. Yeah, so it- so the first time him. you ever saw this was after your son was born? Yes. Now, wow. see, Eric, I, there's movies, but this was funny, Eric. I, I feel like I saw it like, you know, when you're, you're a kid, you don't drive anywhere. You, you, you flip your channels, you, you see something, you may watch a little bit of it. You get to go, go you eat You end up seeing half of a lot of movies. I feel like I saw, that's what it was back in the, ni- the early 90s. I, I think when I seen it, but not seen it all the way through. Yeah, and I didn't know what the heck that was. Yeah. I, I thought you said, you know, when you have a kid and you don't drive anywhere. Oh. Like, oh, Eric doesn't know that. And then funny. I realized you said, oh, when oh, you were a kid. And when you, you were a kid, anywhere. you don't drive anywhere. You just said, like, no, Eric doesn't know when you have a kid and you don't drive anywhere. So well, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the you don't have your license. You're, you're you just watch a ton of shows because you don't. Yeah, you don't. So so anyway, that that's my point was. Yeah, I remember playing, flipping through it, but I never really actually watched and knew what I was watching. So yeah, great cast. Um, I I just enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it it, it anytime a, a movie has any screaming, like and and cheering for the. The villains and the uh, the heroes. That's a good movie to me. So I'd like to hear everybody else's just, um, opinions about it. I'm I, going to okay, I hope. Sorry, I just I hope the cheering is for the heroes and the screaming is at the villains. Exactly what it was. Yeah, no, I didn't like the villains in this one. I liked their acting. I, I, I like what went on. But I didn't like them, of course. Yeah, no, I hated them, of course. Of course, <laughs> with the um, with what went on. So um, yeah, let's hear some uh, opinions. Uh, I'll start. Who's Who's sitting on top of my head right now, Eric? Go ahead. I'll start. You start. Hey. <laughs> um, yeah. So I really enjoyed it. I also had not seen it, but in, I'm sure I saw Yay. clips of it growing up too. Because again, like you said, you you're going through the networks, channel surfing, and yeah. you know, things. You end up seeing half of it, but I didn't remember anything. I certainly didn't remember that. Uh, I knew Sean Astin was in it, but I didn't remember Will Wheaton and Keith Coogan were in it. So I was a little surprised to see them. Uh, but I I really enjoyed it. Um, because I mean, it's it's a classic uh, action movie of the late '80s, early '90s. Oh, it has yeah. all those sweet spots. It's, it's so it's it's a lot of fun to watch that way. There's not a, a nostalgia involved. There's also like the the whole ensemble cast of teenagers uh, that we don't really do anymore. And, and I think mm-hmm. that's why Stranger Things became such the hit that it was, is because people kind of missed that, and and that was something that was really done a lot in the '80s mm-hmm. and the '90s. Mm-hmm. and uh you don't we don't get it much anymore and uh, so that is a lot of fun too um the the movie in general it was pretty good although i mean it's 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 a fantasy oh, I'll of course. <laughs> you know, a lot of the time i'm watching thinking 
um, these kids should not be doing that. They're actually going to mess everything. Like in reality, no kids should ever be encouraged no. in that situation <laughs> to try to take it into their own hands. Oh, that could have ended so horribly. I was waiting for like them to, to sort of, you know, in reality, what would have happened is the army, the, the military would have been doing some other plan. They would have had this, you know, planned out, like experts and negotiators would have been set to do something and whatever the kids had tried would have like probably screwed it all up and gotten everyone killed. So it was nice that, but of course that adds tension because I think even in 1991, I'm sure people are watching the movie thinking, oh no, 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 what are they doing? This is, these troublemakers are gonna cause problems. But uh, in the end, it ends up sort of working out somehow it seamlessly integrates with what everyone else in the movie is doing, where you you come to this convergence at the end where everything works out and turns out, oh, it's actually good that they were trying to switch the chips uh, in the bomb because the the military was gonna make this bum rush basically. Uh, and the guy would have pressed the button to blow everybody up. And uh, and it's good that the the principal, I guess that's who he was because he wasn't the headmaster, but the principal decided to, you know, sneak his way in because if he hadn't, then he wouldn't have been there to to help out in the in the eleventh hour. So it, it's thrilling in that way, but it's it's also the the unrealistic nature of it. I kept thinking to about it as an adult, like these kids, no, no. But I'm sure, you know, when you are a teenager, you're watching, or a kid, you're watching this movie uh, thinking, yeah, you know, it's people who are like me and they're empowered to do something. Um, I, what I also find unrealistic that was also a trend in the 80s and the early 90s was for the children of rich parents to always hate their rich privileged lives uh yeah, because that's not reality like yeah if rich, if rich kids rebel yeah. at all um it's usually just by being total messes and but they're just as privileged they're even worse than their parents mm. but they're assholes because they're privileged there's no but there was this this idea this character this fictional character in the 80s and early 90s of the rich kid who hated the fact that he was from these kinds of parents uh, because he was really a good person who was industrious and wanted to make friends with all kinds of people. And it's like, okay, you know, <laughs> I miss that too, that fantasy that we had. Um, but uh, I thought uh, it was also very weird to think that this movie was only six years after The Goonies. Oh, yeah. Suddenly Sean Astin has this like tight little body and chest. I was like, what? Right? <laughs> I was look. I saw it, I was like, whoa, okay. And this also would have been right in the middle of, right smack in the middle of Will Wheaton's tenure on Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh. So that's kind of impressive. He, he had a very, we saw his panel at Awesome Con, uh, yes. and I think he talks about this frequently, but he had a very difficult time as a young actor. Uh, because he had a he had a stage parent, uh, and it he it was kind of something he was pushed into, and it was not ever, ever his idea, and it was very restrictive. And so it's interesting he was actually he was in this, but also Stand By. Well, what year was Stand By Me though? Good question. Actually, it's surprising I never saw that. I need to see that. I mean, those are big movies that he was yeah. in, and he did them in the middle of this child actor stage. That was nineteen eighty six. Ah. Okay, so that would have been right before he joined Star Trek Next Generation, which premiered 87. So, but this movie is right in the middle. And I thought that was, that was interesting for me to see that it was sort of a way that he was, he was trying to, you know, he had his full-time job, but he, 
and I don't know if he was pushed into it, but he obviously auditioned for other things at the time to try to be in feature films um, because he had done that before he was on Next Generation. And, but I hope that, you know, after all is said and done, I'm sure he's proud to be a part of movies like this because this is a pretty solid movie. Mm-hmm. It's full of really good actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when we look back on it now, it's got some issues with, I struggled a little bit with the, the whole characterization of these you know, Hispanic, you know, they're not even terrorists. I don't know because what they're doing is not an act of terrorism, even though it might be terrifying. They're, you know, they're, they're thieves and kidnappers, basically. They're basically hot kidnappers taking kids for host, taking kids hostage to get this guy free. Yeah. But it, father. You know, that's another way they, they sort of take a broad view that, that was very popular also at the time that this movie was made and before, which is this, this, this view of these other um, countries and the, the criminal activity that happens there and the way it relates to the United States. And there were a lot of movies like this. Like we actually mentioned, uh, if you remember on a previous recording, Takiya, you were trying to remember a movie where there were a group of kids who wore berets. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty sure what you're thinking of was Red Dawn. Which Red is Dawn. The thing yeah. where the, there's an invasion. Invasion movies were very, very popular at this time too, always from a foreign country. And often the teenagers are the ones, you know, the high school kids have to band together and, and they try to overthrow this and kick them out of their hometown or their country or whatever it might be, in this case, a school. Um, and there, I do have a, a, a soft place in my heart for it. For those mm-hmm. kinds of movies, I, I I definitely enjoyed them growing up, I, and I think it's because of the the sort of the empowering feeling that it gives to a young person watching it, and even watching it now as an adult for the first time, I can still understand that feeling and feel it a little bit. Uh, but you know, it comes with all my adult opinions about how like the kids should not be doing this, <laughs> and it, this is a very sort of almost racist view of other cultures and. Um, but yeah, uh, I think I'll stop there, but it was a, a great nostalgic classic throwback to watch. A lot of fun. Oh, Thank you, Eric. I also want to mention, I like the score, the, uh, the music store score too. It, it was kind of light, funny, light, airy, like, even, oh. even at the end, it was like, and that was very eight, uh, 90s style too. I don't think you'd hear they play more like da 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 type movie, that type of music now is something, you know, I'm saying like, sure everyone more. Knows, I think, yeah. Sure <laughs> no. yeah, so. Well, I, I actually remember that I, I did notice the score because yeah. I made it in my head that I was a little surprised, even at the very beginning when they start in on it, on like they're panning into the school, yeah. that it was not so much like the, like Arnold Schwarzenegger era, yeah. like tension score, it was more of an adventure score. I like you said tension. That's what it I'm had like a, a lot of. It used a lot of positive notes. Mm. And I was like, That's interesting. I would have expected this to have more of a classic adult action score, but it it leaned more towards adventure. Uh, I guess and to keep it lighthearted, like you know, the kids are going to be okay. Don't worry. <laughs> like, like innocence type thing. Yeah. But having but having said that, like the kids are going to be okay, and that's what the what the movie make, tries to make you feel like there were points in the movie where I'm like, oh my God, that's dark. Like the, when the teacher died, the first teacher, yes. that student on the phone from getting shot. Yes. I could not believe it. I was like, oh my God, they l- literally just shot a teacher in front of one of the students. And I immediately thought about like, how would I react in that situation? That would have, no matter how I felt before, if even I felt like brave or like, oh, you know, I'm going to run to the phone or we're going to fix this. Somebody dying in front of me that I knew that I probably had a class with 
I mean, that would have just killed it. I would have like crumpled into a little ball and I wouldn't have been able to move. Yeah. So yes. that, that it was, there were some shocking moments of violence. Uh, Will Wheaton's yeah. death, for instance. I know, yeah. Oof. Rough. That one, that was an interesting part too, before I get to the rest of you guys, but the, um, the fact that he, but rather as he had a chance to be free, but because he was so disconnected from his family and his father, he wanted to stay there with his friends. That was kind of interesting, sad and interesting at the same time. Like, yay, he, he wants to help his friends, but then it's sad that he doesn't want to get out and go with his family. So I don't know, like, tell me guys later how you guys thought about that scene. Did you think he should have gone with his family or were you, did, did, it, did it feel like kind of cool that he wanted to stay with his friends or let me know what you guys think about it later on. Yeah. Um, right below me now, Ruth, go ahead. Um, yeah, so I liked it a lot. Um, I kind of like it how it had the action and yeah, a lot of good actors from that time. It kind of brings you back, back to the eighties, early nineties, which was fun. Um, I like Sean Aston a lot. He's a good actor. Um, definitely loved him in the Goonies and he's of course been in a ton of things. Um, I like how the Dean, um, Dean Edward, how he, um, really what looks out for the kids like the kids that have had a lot of trouble he really wants he sees potential in them that they can you know turn their lives around and um kind of get back on track and not being so you know so rebellious to the point to where like you know they're like oh you know it's what what is it a big deal for me to get transferred again or anything like that he wants to help them but um yeah, well, I also, I love, too, how they want to help everyone at their school, even though they have kind of, you know, they're having a hard time kind of with everything, too, as far as. Um, rebellion. Yeah, with the rebellion thing. Um, it kind of took forward to where the, when the um, cartel comes, how he figured out how gosh like not only am i looking for this one kid that's not here but there's some these kids have some pretty important parents so they already have another way to kind of try to help them out to get what they want really but um i just thought it was really good i guess to kind of just start off at that point okay thank you ruth yeah and, um i want to say about the uh the parents if i uh, i lost my thought there uh Oh, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, with the parents too. The um, the one kid that died, like how his they were gonna let him out, the like with a tough mafia family. But um, yeah, like we're all saying too, kind of what you're saying too about trying to figure out if the kid should have stayed with with his friends or not. I feel like that's a really kind of tough call. I feel like he, in his position, he would have wanted to stay with his friends, but. I know it's not an easy decision for sure. But. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ruth, thank you. Um, we'll next down to Shelly. All right. <clears throat> so I did enjoy it. Um, I have to tell you all something funny, though. Um, so when you, when you uh, kind of teased it last week, you said it was about a school takeover. And so for some reason in my mind, I was thinking the kids were going to take over the school. Oh. So I was watching this, I was like, how this, I was <laughs> like 20 minutes because I was trying, how is this going to go that way? Like, what is happening? 
because the opening <laughs> is the people, the Colombians, like doing all their you Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> really confused with that i was like is this yeah. a flashback like what is happening? that's why i was trying to make it a teaser i didn't want to give that get way too much because like, i was like a school takeover and you guys will see what i meant yeah no, it was me i thought it was my brain but i just thought that was funny yeah so i did enjoy it um i at, at the beginning i found those boys completely annoying though and how could nobody say how awful 80s fashion was? That was awesome. <laughs> no, I love 80s fashion. It's I know. Fair it was, but that's the thing. never been sexier. So, I'm oh sorry. Oh my god! Everything was, was, was big. Big shorts, big pants, mullets. It's like, yeah. But loose and sort of like, you know. Loose, baggy, well, yeah. Open, you know. Like, <laughs> I like how Sean Aston had his uh, Reebok pumps on. <laughs> but a lot of them had pumps on. I was taking me back too. Like, look at all those sneakers, all those Air Jordans. Oh, oh I loved, I loved Will Wheaton's jeans where he had drawn on them with marker everywhere. I like that too. He did that one out in the eighties. Terrible. <laughs> and then, um, I mean, I love Sean Astin, but for some reason, I I couldn't get into him as like a troubled kid. Oh, really? That's how I felt. Interesting. Really. I don't know, especially then when he got his hair wet, he looked like a little boy, his little boy self from the Goonies. With the oh, hair. I did see that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, he's just a nice kid. Because he was supposed to have been in like four different reform schools and, and terribly um, troubled. But for some reason, that didn't hit me. But um, I, I enjoyed watching all the actors and I enjoyed it. I overall... I didn't appreci appreciate the Italian slurs that were thrown about. Ooh. No. I don't think oh. I caught them. I didn't caught the catch them either. When, when I he, did. When, Keep them on the recording. Because when Keith Coogan was talking to Will Wheaton. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, the W. Um, the yeah, w, w word. The W word, Kia. <laughs> and I love how he. he oh. Like, but I'm your friend, so I can call you that. And, and like, <laughs> like two no. seconds later, Will Wheaton is like, but don't call me that. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> just because you're my friend doesn't mean you get a pass. Yeah. And, oh, um, okay. Um, yeah. The only other um, acting choice I didn't, I didn't really like the guy from Law and Order being, being his dad. Oh, him! I, I, I was wondering where I was, what he was from. Jerry Orbach. Jerry Orbach. Uh -huh. He didn't fit Mafia boss to me. Yeah, Shelly, <laughs> I'm with you on that too. He did not fit the like Mafia leader mm -hmm. boss at From all. Dirty Dancing. Dad. That's what I'm dirty dancing. I, the I mirror from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> oh yeah, my well, gosh, really? He's a little too <laughs> suave to be believable as a criminal boss. Yeah. You know? He's yeah. more believable as a talking candle than he is a <laughs> boss. Yeah. I didn't realize he was in Beauty and the Beast. I didn't even know that. He was one of the, I didn't realize the original one. Yeah. Yeah. I would believe him as a white collar criminal, like somebody who got caught for tax evasion or yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. insider yeah. trading or something. Stocks, yeah, stocks. Something. Do you know he wasn't even credited in the movie for the Is role? Really? Yeah, he I was just uncredited. Said, uncredited. Because I went, oh. I was trying to remember what his name was because I just it wouldn't come to me. And I went to the IMDb for this movie, and he was nowhere in it. So <laughs> I had to look up his. I forget how I looked it up and to find his name, and that's how I found out he was uncredited. Oh, oh wow. See, in my mind, immediately when they showed his face, I'm like, what's the Law and Order guy doing in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> that's something, that's something I don't really get because I've seen that multiple times. Uh, actors who are very, very well known, but they're uncredited in a particular role, even though the role was like big. I've seen it more than once. And I always wonder, like, what is the 
what is the logic behind it? Like the behind the scenes decision? Like, did the actor not want to be credited for some reason? I don't it does, know. It does seem like all Jerry Orbach's scenes were filmed sort of separately and in, in just, I think he's just in one room. He's, he never interacts with the rest of the cast. I don't oh, think. that's true. That's true. Well, he was like a late edition. He just didn't ever, do you? Well, what's funny is when we first see him, you know, he's in the room with all the parents and then they kind of hone in on him before they cut away to show you that he's the mafia boss. But when you see him in the room with all the parents and they hone in on him, I'm like, oh, he's probably like the FBI guy or something. Because yeah. all I have in my head is law and order. So I'm like, oh, he's the new cop guy that we're going to follow on this. He's a like, perfect oh, FBI he's guy. Will Wheaton's, first of all, he's Will Wheaton's dad? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Two, he's the mafia boss? That doesn't make no. sense. I can actually see him being really interesting. I can't see I it. Can. No. I, I can. I can see it. No, no. No. Um, but, and then um, the only other thing that bothered me is sometimes some of the dialogue was a little bit cheesy. Um, <laughs> it's 90s. It's going to be cheesy. <laughs> yeah, no, fine. I mean, I enjoyed the movie overall. Yeah. Um, Do you have an example? I'm curious. Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember. Um, well, one thing that did make me, this is nothing to do with dialogue, but I did chuckle when the, when they're with the headmaster in the basement and the guy gives him a shot of the mouthwash liquor. Oh, that was, that was cute. That was funny. Yeah. I'm like, that's funny. Yes. Yeah. Yes, your mouthwash liquor. I'm trying to remember. There was one part, a lot of the talking between um, the, the dean and Billy, I thought, oh, this is kind of cheesy. Like you could tell it was setting up like they're going to be, you know, that at the end, they're going to yeah. have some sort of heartwarming moment. <laughs> but you mean like, you like how predictable that would be. You felt like it would be too predictable or something. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. oh and then um, as far as if whether Will Wheaton's character should have left or not, I thought he should have left because I thought, well, he could go and share with the police all of the like oh, other yeah. stuff that they knew. Yeah. Like he, that would have been. That's what I was gonna say. Like Will Wheaton's oh. character didn't think it through. He got hot headed. He should have said, "Okay, well, I'll get on the outside because of this, but I will just go find the the principal and the military, and I will tell them what I know." Yes, exactly. Why and not? then um, I thought it was super fast that that once the mob boss's son is murdered well they were able to get to the terrorist guy's dad really quickly and slit his throat i mean that was fast well i didn't understand that was that just did that just happen to be like a prisoner well i thought that i took it as he got someone in there because we said if something happens to him then you know you know that you will die or something bad. I forget what the word yeah, no, is. That, that's how I took it too, Shelly, because Jerry Orbach's character, the mafia boss, said it wasn't an accident. And yeah. then show that scene. So he, I think, oh. had somebody on the inside that was in his group. That makes sense. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. It was that's... it was very, very quick retribution. Yeah. You know? That is really shitty because his son died. So he took a step that could have endangered every other kid. I, I thought that too because all of those other kids are still alive in there and what's the guy is doing this just to free his dad now his dad is dead what point what more what point is there 
anymore. Well, really we already saw that some of these parents don't care about the other kids. When they were in that big room debating stuff, that one woman's like, well, not all of us are rich. Some of our children are on scholarship. Can't they just let those kids out? Oh, yeah. I don't care that about was... the rich kids. Let the other that kids. That's crap. Yeah. So yeah. Like, they're all in it for their own kid. And yeah. obviously as the criminal mob boss, he's probably just in it for his kid. So wait, some... So... Okay, I'm trying to understand this school because I also found it a very weird idea that somewhere in this fictional universe, there is a private school where the people who run it are only, they basically only take the troubled kids from that can't be in the other schools. But I guess in this same scenario, there are some kids who aren't rich who get scholarships to go to oh. this school. <laughs> oh yeah, like, is it like a school for literally for just trouble, a prep? private prep school but it's trouble kids or like is it like it's like the bottom of the barrel but some kids scholarships to go to the bottom of the barrel yeah they they, they take trouble ones and wealthy ones that have no problems so i i I wasn't doing that yeah (laughs) and then just one last thing did you all you all probably saw and i thought it was very cool that it was filmed in virginia i didn't didn't know that charlottesville and then some spots in richmond Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Parts for some reason in Texas, like. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the, school, the, the school is in Charlottesville. I forget the name of it. And then it said some exterior shots in Richmond, Virginia, and then San Antonio, Texas, or something. And I thought that's just <laughs> how did you catch all that? Like, where'd you San see that? San Antonio was probably the double for the Hispanic country. I forget where they were in Columbia. Columbia. They were in Columbia, right? Yeah. Uh, Columbia. We should we that, should yeah. do like a field trip day where we visit movies locations and movies in our that we've watched as part yes. of not, not not literally going to LA, Eric. I meant mm. in the area if they filmed in this area, we go. So we should go to Charlottesville and see where they film this school. And yeah. Charlotte, how did you find it out, by the way? I'm... Um I was Stuart said, What movie are you watching? And I told him and he said, Oh, that was filmed in Virginia. And so I looked it up. Whoa. Well, I wish, we could, I wish we could go see the Alexandria, Virginia of Walking Dead, but that's actually shot in Georgia. Oh, yeah. yeah. By the way, if you're wondering, I actually have a Google Maps, my own personal Google Maps, that is specifically to mark filming locations so that if I ever visit those areas, cool. I can say, oh, we should go. That's cool. So Eric, at uh, Charlottesville, Virginia for Toy Soldier School. Yeah. And we One can thing- ask oh, them, we walk in there and say, can you let us try to try to crawl through your ductwork? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, thank- I have a random thought question. That toy soldiers, you know that song? Is that based off this movie? No. Oh, I was wondering that too, but I, this, I, was, I didn't hear it. So the song is from three three years before this movie. Oh. Okay. Which is funny though, since there is no relationship. But after I finished watching it, that song was the only thing in my head. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but, yeah. In a strange way, I think it, it doesn't fit. play at all, but I think it would fit because it's kind of like I don't know, it's kind of that kind I mean, of haunting, we haunting like weird melody that would it go just along it, it has a morbidness though that doesn't fit with that adventure score. Oh well, that's why I was kind of thrown off too. Uh, by the way, in uh in Germany, this movie is called Boy Soldiers. Oh, oh wow. I don't know why. I guess maybe the term the 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 idiom toy soldier doesn't really work there or something. I don't know. What about boy toy soldiers? <laughs> <laughs> oh i want to see that movie i want to see the usa up all night knockoff version of toy soldiers because i gotta tell you when this movie started i was thinking to myself okay eric would going to an all-boy school when you were young would that have been heaven or hell 
I'm not sure. There's, there'd be a trade-off, but I don't yeah. know. The way Eric I said. I didn't like that they all, they all seemed to sleep. Well, not all of them. There was some of them that seemed to sleep just in their underwear. Oh, yeah. You didn't like that? You didn't like that? situation. You didn't like that? I would be ready to like go at any moment, not just be in my like tiny way. <laughs> Takia, she's saying in this hostage situation. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I, I just it. thought it was weird they're in their little tidy whities well, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Shelly, I, I felt that in terms of the, that part as well. Also, when they're <laughs> let out for their free play in the quad or whatever, they're out there just having fun, throwing frisbee. I'm like, you're literally having I looked at the yeah. machine guns I know, and rocket launchers. I, love you. I was and looking like, at the extras at their faces and like, how can you still smile that way as if nothing is happening? I know. They're just like laughing and talking. And I thought I would be terrified. Yeah, especially me too. At that one time, you know, when um, Billy was gone and they kept counting 91 over oh, and over again, serious. and they would pull people into line who they were going to kill. I thought that would, that would traumatize me. Yeah. Ever and ever. I couldn't go like, laughing yeah. and eating after that. Yeah, but like the principal still made some of them gather around so he could still teach. Yes, I'm I, like, if this is my last few days on earth, I don't want school. I know. <laughs> but I guess I see from the adult perspective, you know, we've heard adults say this now is that uh, that the the best thing in a terrible situation like that is to try to create some sense of normalcy. And I guess normal would be keep having class so that the kids don't. Men and I, I go. I'm with Eric on that one. That's what I thought was happening. He was just trying to keep them calm and so trying. What to else are you gonna normal. do? Sit around and think about how? Yeah, you'll be shot. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, but Eric, going back to what you were saying, and what country is it called? Boy soldiers, Germany. Oh, it just reminded me. I had read somewhere that in France, the candy sour patch kids are called very bad kids. <laughs> 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 I could. I have a few. Know a few of them that could. Is it sour? Sour trans, translation. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's also a novel that the 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 uh this movie. I just I it said based on a novel. I didn't know that. So that's interesting. So the name of the school where it was filmed in Charlottesville is called the Miller School of Albemarle. I know the Miller School. I've heard of it. Yeah. You said it's based it. on a book. It's funny because it does have a little bit of a, I guess the camaraderie between the boys has a little bit of an outsider's feel. Yes, I can see that. Yeah. It, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if you guys have ever clocked this, but, um, you know, uh, trends are cyclical and it's usually every like 20 to 30, 30 years, which is why in the 90s, basically disco came back and bell bottoms and stuff because everyone was revisiting the 70s but in the 80s everybody was revisiting the 50s so wow. that's why you saw a lot more leather jet you know people in leather jackets you know boys like i mean if you look at the style of the 80s and then compare it to the 50s you'll see a lot of similarities uh and then in, in, in music the same thing happened in music and i think the same thing happened in movies um so i definitely see that a little bit i'm sure that whatever book it was based on sort of was using that as a model, you know, this, the the outsiders, you know, group of boys. <laughs> I have a question then, Eric, if that's the cycle. So in the eighties, they kind of modeled after the fifties and had some of those trends and everything. And if now we're modeling ourselves after the eighties, but what if we modeled ourselves after the trends that they borrowed from the fifties, are we actually modeling ourselves after the eighties or after the fifties? 
Oh. Well, it, ev it evolves each time a little bit. So it gets further and further from the source material. But I wouldn't say that right now we're modeling after the 80s because at this point, the 80s were um, over 30 years ago. So we're almost, we're starting to, we're, we're actually, and this probably makes sense, we're starting to model more after probably the late 90s, early 2000s. Weird. Because I feel like there's not much difference, but I'm sure there is. Between the early 2000s and now. Well, wow. there's also theories that I've read. Frosted um, tips. Yeah, there's also theories, cultural theories that I've read that uh, that say that, and I would tend to agree that culture kind of became arrested in the 90s at some point, especially the late 90s, and that it hasn't evolved as much since then as it had evolved in all the previous decades. So we we, but you know, it's very hard to tell because we always sort of we sort of encapsulate a decade and assess it and brand it after it's already over. So it's very easy for us to say, oh, that's 60s, that's 70s, that's 80s. And if we were to visit those time periods, the branding may not be as apparent as we would expect it to be because it's sort of been, um, what's the word? It's been uh, characterized since then. Exaggerated. Exaggerated, of course, for effect. Uh, so, but I still have, I would struggle. I, I've always said this like, you know, we used to go to 80s parties in the early 2000s, and then we did go to a few 90s parties, but then it starts to get a little murky, and I and I think to myself, like, I wouldn't even know, how do I dress for an early 2000s party? How do I dress oh. for a 2010s party? I don't know. Oh, butterfly clips and uh, velour uh, suits, like track jumpsuits. So that's how Eric should dress for a that, that would be like late 90s. That would be late 90s. <laughs> those 2000s, though. How would, you, how would you dress for 2005? Oh, which was which know. was 17 18 years ago now that's a good point i don't know what would you invited you to that party <laughs> what did britney spears and justin timberlake low-rise jeans time? with a belly shirt <laughs> oh low-rise jeans platform weird shoes but that was the late 90s too i wore platforms in the 90s that was yeah. in the early 2000s as well up to like yeah. 2008 or 9 when skinny skinny jeans the high-waisted pants came in so what is 2010 that would be skinny jeans. I don't know. <laughs> See, we got to wait like many years and let somebody tell us what that decade was about. And then we'll go, oh, sure, sure. <laughs> but until then, I have no idea. Yeah. So Shelly, back to you. So yeah, those are, those are my thoughts. I think we can hear, I think Takiya is going to call in Fahad next. That would be my guess. If I had to guess. <laughs> the process of elimination. <laughs> I want to put a, insert a thought in before. Oh, before, I guess I'm behind. Oh, we're <laughs> no, because when we get to talking, I, I try to get in there. It's hard to get in. Everyone's talking, which is great. No, I like hear my thoughts. No, um, I, I like the fact how of how it was interesting. How I don't know what you say street smarts, but he had these. They had these these smarts, like these these the wit. What am I looking for? Like they. It was interesting how they were able to figure out these intricate plans. They were like the rebellious ones that probably didn't, you know, maybe didn't probably study a lot and were more into, you know, doing, you know, getting in trouble or not. But even with all that, they, they had the interesting mindset to be able to think of these, these plans and, and, and plan ways to learn about who, where, where the terrorists were in the building. And, you know, you had, well, we just cared drawing. He, he was good with his drawing skills and, and drawing each, each terrorist and how they looked to send to the authorities. And um, Billy's role was to, 
he, he knew how to escape and do things. I thought that was kind of cool. I want to hear your thoughts, your thoughts about that too after Fahad. What did you guys think about that? How their, their minds work to create these like, you know, intricate ways to overtake the terrorists. So, all right, Fahad. Great, thank you. Um, so I enjoyed the movie also like everybody else did. You know, it's just a fun, enjoyable late 80s, early 90s kind of action movie as everybody already said. Um, don't really have too much more to add in that area. Um, I, I like the cast overall. Yes, some of the acting to me was a little cringe, um, but that's just the nature of, you know, young actors and some of these older actors as well in this type of an action movie. You're not going to get like Oscar worthy performances. No. movie's about. Um, there was a huge fantasy aspect like Eric said where a lot of the stuff that happened in it is not believable whatsoever a uh, big part of it is aligned to what your question just now was to Kia around these intricate plans and this whole thing that they put together to rescue everybody and stop the bad guys um I mean I think part of it was they used the strengths of each of their friends to put some of that together like you said Will Wheaton's character was good at drawing so he was able to draw what the people look like um uh, Sean Aston's character Billy is a good leader so he was able to rally the people together but honestly none of it would have worked if not for that one young kid that was rooming with them yogurt yogurt who yeah. told them about the signal and like yogurt. yeah who told them about oh, the yogurt receiver and all of that like yeah. if he hadn't done that they wouldn't have been able to disarm the bombs which yeah. saved them all really um, you know, it's unfortunate. I read that the actor who played Yogurt actually passed away a few years. No! Ago. What? Yeah, he was in a car accident oh. uh, just a few years after this movie and then was oh, in a no. coma for like three or four four years, I think, and then died. Oh, no. Was he in anything else at all before like, the accident? Like three movies or something like oh, that. That's horrible. That's yeah. so, um, so, so sorry to bring it down, but uh, oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> let me just. Um, but yeah, so I mean, but even though it was hard to believe that these things happen, it was still fun to watch. But that's always the case with these movies that have children or teenagers as the heroes, like, you know, saving the world kind of stuff. Like, Stranger Things, how many things outside of the actual underworld fantasy stuff in it, how much of that is really unbelievable that these kids can save the world? You know, Goonies, the stuff that they got themselves into, like, how could they really get out of a lot of that? Um, so that's kind of the similar vein here with this movie is like i don't think they really would have gotten away even though they did make a lot of stupid decisions along the way especially to your earlier question takia will was i think it was your question about will wheaton like should he have uh, stayed with them or should he have left he should have left because one if he stayed he was putting everybody else in danger because his mob boss father said release my son and if his son was refusing to leave obviously the um captor what's his name uh luis would have killed one student probably every hour that will wheaton stayed uh so it was just to put people in danger and like you all said he could have gone on the other side and helped so that was stupid choice number one stupid choice number two was when he took the machine gun first thing he should have done was kill the guy right there oh yeah and then get, got yeah. out but you know he gets out and he starts like waving the gun which is basically saying shoot me shoot me shoot me um so that was it was just stupid unfortunately i was a little bit surprised at the i felt like the kids should have been more mortified and more traumatized by witnessing their friend's death the way that they did 
Um, obviously, Billy was angry, but all the kids did a good job holding him back. But I don't think in reality that's actually what would happen. I think they would have all broken down, started crying like, oh, my God, we could die now and like gone and coward. And I, I just that didn't seem realistic to me. Yeah, I feel like they, in reality, they would have abandoned their plan. Yeah. Well, they, they showed a little bit of that where they 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 were emotional about it. Well, they were emotional that sad that his friend died. But I mean, the trauma of seeing a machine gun in a guy's hand killing your friend and spraying him with bullets. Mm-hmm. That's not. Oh, they're upset a friend died. That's like pure trauma because they yeah. was shot in front of them and like brutally shot. Like that's the thing, to I, process. But they were able to go right back into their plan and still risk their lives maybe that's what that's what drove them see to may avenge for his death a little bit you know maybe it, they, it could have driven them but that's yeah. also in my head a very mature mindset would be there yeah. further to try to save everybody it, it, teenagers who are still processing all this stuff i think would have shut down yeah um, i can see what you mean so yeah. so that, that's i'm just like in reality you know like in this yeah. action world yes it makes for a great story and makes for a great push for them to get to the end um, you, you, in, in all movies, you have to suspend disbelief, but it just depends on how how much the movie expects you to suspend disbelief yeah. and whether that's appropriate to you. So this really pushed the line, I think, maybe for Fahad too, for me. I think it pushed the line in a few cases where I'm like, I don't know, you're expecting me to believe a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, you know, the, the, the sheriff's like, let me go talk to them. And he starts walking out and then they bring out a missile launcher. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whoa okay okay now what's going on yeah, yeah. like these people just casually walked in with the missile launcher in addition to all the guns that they were hiding um so yeah some of that stuff was a little interesting um the dean dean parker i actually thought he was going to become more badass at the end like i thought when the agents that he was with when they got blown up and he went and like kind of picked up the gun i was like oh, he's going to go all Rambo on them and jump around like killing everybody. <laughs> and and in my head, I was prepared for how cheesy and unrealistic that was going to be. So I actually liked what really happened in that he took that, he was looking through the window and he crashed through and fell, but he didn't save the day. The agent came through on the other side and shot Luis because Luis was distracted. Like, and then he ended up getting shot himself. Uh, Either way, when he got shot, that wound that you see briefly, I yeah. don't think he could have survived that. I no, think it that was, was right in the heart. Yeah, I know. Right, yeah, in yeah, the chest, gushing blood, and then he just kind of walks away from it. I'm like, no, you do not walk away. I, I was almost, exp- the way that, like, Billy looked back at him, I was waiting for that, like, cheesy, like, end of an 80s sitcom episode, kind of, like, nod and smile at each other, like, oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and even though he's, like, there with this bullet hole, he's still kind of- I didn't see him, happening. Like, oh, we did you this. Mean the ICU yeah. moment? Oh, we did it. We saved the day, even though I'm, like, here dying. We get each other now. Yeah, it really didn't seem to like care. Like, oh, you just uh, you're dying. It was kind of weird that they all just sort of walked out at the end. All the one kids. kid was doing um was doing uh cartwheels. Really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one of the extras in the corner bottom left was doing cartwheels out. Oh, I think I did see that. Really <laughs> I'm like again. Yes, you're elated, but you are all traumatized. Yeah. You all should be shivering and under blankets, like, oh my God, I need to see my parents. Yeah, you should be crying. It's my mom. They'd be like checked out to make sure that they're okay. Yeah. 
especially, especially Billy. <laughs> I mean, Billy, like that, that kid just risked his life like the entire time. Um, but I feel sorry for the kids that were picked to be killed when Billy was dis- had disappeared. Yes. Like, he actually picked the five kids or the four kids and the principal to line up, Ugh. headmaster to line up. And, and one of heads, they're about to die. And one of the kids was one of the younger ones. Yeah, I he was know. like a little eight-year-old. Oh. And I was like, why? And I was like, out? oh my gosh, you're, you're ki- picking a kid kid to kill. Oh. So, I, don't know. I, I saw these, that. Oh. These kids need a lot of therapy after this. But in this fantasy action world, I bet you they all like immediately join the FBI. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I know I'm going off on it, but I'm not going off on it. I am going on about the unrealisticness of it in the vein of it being a fun 80s action, late 80s, early yeah, 80s I, action. I totally understood. They're all saying, like so. this. They all have really ridiculous, silly things around Very it. true. Um, even yeah, classics like Terminator and Terminator 2, they're all cheesy. They all mm-hmm. have very unrealistic stuff, yet people love them because they're fun mm-hmm. to watch. Um, even if the acting's not great, even if the story's not realistic, it can still be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned about how yogurt was instrumental because of his ability, his understanding of technology. And that confused me a little bit because I thought they were setting up Billy to be that person because oh, they the made phone. a big point about him creating the phone and that, yeah. oh, like, oh, I got it from Radio Shack. And it's like, oh, it seems interesting. Like a special knowledge about the stuff. And that's sort of his thing. Yeah. But then they had to bring in the younger kid. And I don't think Billy really does anything technology, technology wise. No. Uh, past that fact to actually succeed he's just relying on yogurt even when him and yogurt he and yogurt sorry when he and yogurt are uh in the room trying to switch out the chips billy doesn't seem to have an opinion on whether it's the right chip or not he's like depending on this underage kid yogurt to tell him like you need to be sure and he's like well billy do you have nothing to share with this i mean you built this i don't know even what it was like some crazy phone that contacts that secretly contacts numbers or something, whatever. And what's funny is I actually thought that that plot point was going to come around later. Like they were going to use that to somehow yeah. communicate Ooh, back. Especially when, when they show the terrorists, one of the first thing, I'll just use the term terrorist, but when they, the first, one of the first thing they show when they enter the school is showing them cutting all the lines, the phone lines throughout the school. And I was like, oh, I bet Billy's going to find a way to get those put back together. So they That's can what I thought that. too. Or, or somehow at least tap back into that one line like that didn't get cut because it's a special underground yeah. thing. But they never, I guess the only reason they showed us that scene was to show us that there's a secret underground area that oh, the kids yeah. know about and that the Dean knows about. So it somehow brings it all back. Uh, oh, the one last thing I did want to talk about in terms of unrealism, unrealist, is unrealism a word? Uh, the unrealistic <laughs> of the story is in order for the outside FBI people to raid the school, they needed to do it at the exact time Billy's able to disarm the bomb. Yet they didn't know if Billy even made it in successfully, if he was able to disarm the bomb. Yet they they were just kind of, it was just all kind of a matter of luck that it all worked out at the exact right time because they were putting everybody at risk by going in and raiding in the hopes that Billy was able to do what he did. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, I, I don't know if they, how much they talked about it outside when Billy was with them and really coordinated it or they're just taking a chance on this troubled kid just because the Dean's like, you know, 
If, if he says it, I believe in him. <laughs> yeah, they seem like everyone in, involved took some risks that they wouldn't have in the real world. <laughs> oh, and the last thing I did want to touch on is Shelly. I know I mentioned it earlier when you brought it up, but I agree with you about Sean Astin. It's hard for me to see him as this troubled kid. Like even in this movie when he was doing troubled stuff, I still was seeing the Sean Astin from the Goonies. I was still seeing the Sean Astin uh, from even later stuff like as Bob in Stranger Things or as, you know, Samwise in Lord of the Rings. He's always like the good, pure of heart character. And so in this, I'm like, I, it looked like just Sean Astin trying to be bad, but that he, the character wasn't actually bad. Even Will Wheaton didn't seem like a bad kid to me. Like looking at him, I'm like, he's <laughs> acting like he's bad, acting like he's tough. It wasn't believable to me. He, um, was, trying, he was trying a little too hard to put on the New York accent and yeah. certain He's like, oh yeah, the mall boss. <laughs> Keith Coogan was more believable just because I was used to him as a bad Vice kid. Friend. So and don't tell mom. Did, did he hate his dad because he was in the mafia? They did, or they didn't tell us why he hated his dad. Like that's probably why. His dad even said, "My son hates me, yeah. but I love him." <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a great line, Shelley. Was that one of the cheesy lines? Probably. Yeah. John Aston actually worked for me because I actually I grew up with with boys who looked just like him like that was the look with the like the strong jaw and it's kind of short and really like his frame is very like muscly even though he's a little guy uh like the, the bullies that I grew up with basically look like that so that it kind of the the whole look worked for me I liked his versatility like I, I like seeing him in, I like seeing actors play different roles so for me, it didn't bother me that he was trying to be a bad guy because I, I like the versatility. Like I don't, I don't want to see him all friendly in every movie. It's good to see something different out of someone. So for me, that's my. You know, my, Mikey was a troublemaker in the Goonies too. Yeah, true. That's why they got into the situation they did. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to ask was, did you, uh, this also represents another kind of movie that nobody makes anymore, which is shame. Which is, and I don't know if I, I know how to describe it, but. Home Alone came out one year before this. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's also about, you know, kids who come up with these very intricate, in, inter, oh, intricate yeah. resourceful plans yeah. for adults. Uh, and I don't know if you saw Real Genius in the uh, Val Kilmer movie in the 80s. I don't think I did. Also similar, like young people who are sort of preternaturally intelligent and resourceful. Uh, and they they overcome adult, you know, situations doing that. And that was that was very popular around this time and before in the, in the 80s. And they don't really make movies like that anymore either. Mm-mm. Interesting. But I enjoy those. Like that is definitely, a, if, if that's a that's a subgenre, I guess, of action movies um, that is usually really fun to watch because it's sort of like a Rube Goldberg uh, machine or experiment. Yeah call it where it's like everything's sort of set up to it lead one thing leads to another and there's some intelligence behind it and and if it's a young person it's it feels like oh it's really clever that they were able to get the one up on all these adults with who usually have been you know nefarious intentions uh and come out at the end of it saving the day the goonies kind of does that too although the kids aren't so organized they just kind of precipitously (laughs) make it to the end surviving by the skin of their teeth but you know they do um, they do overcome adult problems sort of through their own 
I guess, childlike intelligence, ingenuity, you know? Yeah. I haven't seen too many movies in this part of his career. I've never seen Rudy. So, I haven't seen Rudy either, yeah. Throughout the movie, I, I was kind of thinking to myself, damn, he's a cutie. He is a cutie, yeah, that's the thing. Very, very sexy. Have you guys seen Click? I've heard of it, never seen it. Hmm. Or it 50, 50 First Dates. He'd already sort of rounded out a little bit by then. Uh, Rounded out a bit. (laughs) Okay, it's that time again for (laughs) Recast. We close each episode with the Recast game, where we each play casting director and choose a different actor from any era, living or dead, to portray a character in the film instead. First up is Eric. (gasps) Me first again. You're on on top. (laughs) So I was thinking about what this movie offers us, which is an ensemble cast of actors that we recognize. Um, Although, and it's a little bit diverse, but I will say, I didn't mention this earlier, but I I found it interesting to note that of the five main characters, we only really know the three white ones. And unfortunately, the other two actors, they didn't have memorable careers. So, you know, I can name... Hmm. Sean Astin and Keith Coogan, but T.E. Russell and, uh, oh, I forget the other guy's name. George Sorry. Perez. George Perez. I don't really know them that well, and I can't point to them. And that's a little, that's a shame. And it's, there's probably, you know, insider reasons for that, uh, unfortunately, or political reasons for that, cultural reasons for that, I guess I should say. Uh, so I was thinking about that uh, and thinking about other actors at the time that would have been the right age. And what if they were part of this group? And so I decided I actually wanted to recast Keith Coogan. I love Keith Coogan, oh. but I think he's better when he's kind of one of the stars and not sort of buried in an ensemble. So he's better in Adventures in Babysitting and Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter is Dead because he gets more time to shine, I think, and do his thing, this, the Keith Coogan thing, which is very entertaining. So I decided I would recast him in this movie and try to up the diversity and bring in a, an actor who maybe didn't get his due but is now getting his due 20 years after he stopped acting, Kei Hui Kwan, who was dated in Goonies. So we reunite him with Sean Astin. Oh, uh, okay. Short round from Legends of, uh, or not Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> and then <laughs> the I was hint, like, the oh, Hidden Temple? The, the Hidden Temple. It's like, no, no, no. The, It's Temple of Doom. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Good, that's good. Um, uh, I think he would have been really, really fun as a part of this group. So that mm-hmm. would be my choice. Okay, Eric, thank you. That's a good choice there. All right, next up, um, I said next up, next down is Ruth. You right below me. Okay, so we were talking about how the one kid, the Italian kid, how his dad is a mob and the mob, uh, big high up guy. So Jerry or Buck. So I thought, and I thought about this before we even talked about it we need someone who's going to be really good at this part. So I wanted to recast Rob- to Robert De Niro. <laughs> Will Wheaton's character or Jerry Orbach's? Jerry Orbach. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we also didn't uh, touch on the fact that we're watching yet another movie with Mafia right after watching Goodfellas. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <that> okay. <laughs> it was a fun kind of transition, you know? Yeah, okay, yeah. do that. There was a lot more Mafia in the 80s and 90s. You don't uh, yeah. see much of it now. Yeah. Sorry to disappoint, our next movie has no Mafia, not that I'm aware of. 
Well, thank you, Ruth. Um, next up is Shelley. All righty. So I am going to recast uh, Sean Astin with a guy that I think would play a wonderful troubled youth, um, Edward Furlong. Oh, that was going to be mine. That originally, then I changed it to something else. But yeah. And also a second recast. I also want to recast um, Mafia Dad with the only, the best Mafia Dad, James Gandolfini. <laughs> okay. That works. Okay. Cool. Bye, right, Shelly. Thank you. And bye. Thank you. So if we were to make the movie today, that's how I looked at the recast. Um, and I went with recasting Dean Parker. Um, and I'm recasting him with Idris Elba. Oh. Um, and I think that could actually make it a little more believable if he did go badass at the end and start like taking people <laughs> down, especially with the rumors that he might eventually be like the next James Bond or something. Oh. Um, and then just for fun, I was like, okay you know, making this movie now, who could we see as like the four kids? And I was like, it would be fun to just take the four kids from Stranger Things and put them in Toy Soldiers. The movie. Oh, I, I like <laughs> that. That's kind of fun. Yeah. You know, in each season of Stranger Things, they tend to touch on different 80s genres a little bit. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if in this last one, they they go a little bit this route. <laughs> well, their town oh. has been destroyed, so they might have to go to a boarding school or something. So Mike would be Billy. I'm guessing, and how you, who do you see the same Stranger Things characters in your mind of like Toy Soldiers, Toy Soldiers, uh, teens? Um, I, I, uh, yeah, Mike, I guess would be the leader, would be Billy. Um, I guess Noah Schnapp's character would be Will Wheaton's character. I could see that. Um, I guess maybe Gaten would have to be uh, Ricardo's character, and Caleb would be uh, Hank. Okay. That works. Their personalities might change a little bit in the script, but that's, <laughs> that's, especially Gaten. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Fahad. Um, Eric. Oh, sorry. You want to? You want to insert something? I was trying to think about what he said, but then I realized I didn't really hear what he said because I was spaced out. But I, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> okay. Pay attention, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I was thinking Gaten could be Keith Coogan, but Gaten could also be. Uh, Sean Astin's character. He he's more of a troublemaker. He and, could be. Uh, and he likes to, I think he works, he likes robots and little sciencey things. He um, could be. I, I just don't know as much as that being that kind of inspirational leader that they would look to, but. Caleb would be the Will Wheaton. Finn Wolfhard could be the. I said he'd make a good Billy. Maybe the Ricardo or maybe the Keith Coogan. Mm-hmm. Caleb would be Will Wheaton. I think so, yeah. Not Noah Schnapp. Noah Schnapp would be the T.E. Russell. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Oh, I really enjoyed oh. in this movie. I don't know what happened to him, but um, yeah. But yeah, he was good. Not what I liked was that uh, he was the one. Uh, he wasn't the only black character in this movie because we had Dane Parker, but he was the one um, black kid and they did not make him a stereotype of young Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. I really appreciated that. 
Yeah. Eric, just so you know, he was a voice in one episode of American Dad in 2016. Really? Oh, wow. You know, every time I look somebody up, that is almost the case. Almost always the case. They were a voice at least once on Family Guy or American Dad. That's funny. Oh, actually, Will Wheaton has done a voice on American Dad, too, because the entire cast of Next Generation basically came on one episode. I don't know about Sean Astin, but he probably was, too. Hmm. And maybe keep moving. Wait, all at one point. Wait, I think he's fine. Um... So my, I decided to recast Billy with Corey Haim. I, uh, he has the, I imagine him as a great badass figure, but right down to, you know, you know putting his life out on the line and all, especially when it's, because he's playing some, some action. I'm gonna say, I don't know, I know like I said, he's been in um, Lost Boys and some, some, other, some other movies, other movies as well, but um, I can see him just, having that drive and that passion like Billy had. So I don't know, Corey, Corey Haim came to my mind big time when I was watching this. So that's who I recast as, as who my Billy, my Billy recast is. Makes so. all the sense. And he looks good in a mullet. Yes, he does. <laughs> Little curly mullet. <laughs> so, yep, that's my recast. Okay. It's time now to rate the movie. So go ahead, we're gonna go ahead and open our chats up and, um, and then you're going to enter your number. And then when, we, when you are ready, you're going to raise your thumb. And Baha will do us the honors of counting down. Thank you, Takia. So everybody go ahead and just put a thumbs up when you're ready. Okay, I see everybody's thumbs up. So I'll count down to zero. When I get to the row on zero, hit enter. Three, two, one, zero. Oh, Eric, is this three weeks in a row for us? Did we? We did awesome. <laughs> and another five for Takia. <laughs> it wasn't like Academy Award acting, but I just loved the movie, loved the action. That's what it gets a five for me. Usually I get fives for amazing acting and all. In this case, I just was this one was crazy. Oh, so me. the reason like for instance, how we gave fives to Spice World. Okay. Yeah, and that I didn't feel that way like you guys did. And I like <laughs> I, I like them. I already As said singers. at the beginning. I already <laughs> said at the beginning of the night. I'm done trying to figure out. <laughs> so, I, I I I can't guess more. Shelly, yours. Right. Right. You want me to read them to you? Shelly, yes, please. All right, Fahad, three point five. Me, three point five. Ruth, three point seven five. Takia, five. Eric, three point five. Wow! So Shelly, me, and Eric all had three point five. Okay. Um, well, it's an 3.85 average. Wow. It's pretty yeah. high. Yeah. But, you know, part of that's because to kick it to five. <laughs> that's the reason a lot of these. Are I, like, I really liked it. I really liked it. <laughs> God, I'm, I'm in trouble. This entire round, starting with Eric, then Ruth, then Shelly's and Takia's. Takia's given every movie a five. Oh, I hope she gets you on this end of the. She's cycle. not going to give my movie a five. You <laughs> <laughs> already know. I'm not we'll, playing to. We'll see. I mean, I'm not playing to. I I don't know. I can't really know. This is not at all. No, you but, choose a movie. You like I said, you, when it comes okay? to Cards Against Humanity, I never have to Kia pick my card. <laughs> or figure out what is going on. I'm just. I'm like, oh, this card talks about a lollipop. I will play it, but you still didn't pick it. <laughs> 
I'm a bag. I'm a bag of wonder. I just, you know, I'm just all over. Things. A bag of wonder. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. I just, I'm all over the place with my interest and in everything. So, <laughs> um, okay. So for my movie choice for next week, I am taking us all the way back to the year 2016. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I am going to take us to a director and a writer who I think we all have enjoyed his work. Um, many of us have watched three of the TV miniseries that he's written. Um, I think all of us have enjoyed one of them. Even Ruth has watched it. So I'm taking us to a movie written by and directed by Mike Flanagan. And it's also co-written by his wife and starring his wife, Kate Siegel, who you oh. all recognize in his movies, Haunting of Bl um, Hill House, uh, Bly Manor and Midnight Mass. And this movie is called Hush. Boom. <laughs> I knew it as soon as you said my plan again. I've seen that. You, you've seen it, Takia? Yes. Okay, so is it a no for you? No, we're not going to watch it? We can watch it. I'll watch it again. Are you sure? I liked it. It was good. Yeah. But it's not a five, so I should choose a different one. Hey, yo. <laughs> I can't, I'm going to give everything a five. I'm kidding, I mean, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Has anybody else seen it? I have not. No. Nope. So, Takira, are you sure you're okay with watching it? Because I have three other movies in case you're not. Oh, I liked it. I'm good with it. Okay. Should we watch all four of Fahad's movies and each of us talk about a different <laughs> Pick one? He can uh, talk about all of them, but we can each be assigned a different one. <laughs> oh, and one thing to look out for when you watch this movie is, as I mentioned, she's a writer. Uh, so just pay close attention to the name of the book that she's written. Is she a cool writer? <laughs> oh, you're funny. R-I-T. She's a writer, like write. Yes. So pay attention to the name of the book she wrote, not wrote. You can't write a book. <laughs> Hello. All right. Cool. I declare this episode of Old Bogies and Films concluded. Thanks for joining us. You can find us on Facebook and find our list on Letterboxd. Don't forget to leave a comment or review. Everybody say, adios. 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 <laughs>